Holy smokes, old man Nintendo is really riding our asses to come up with a hit. Somebody's got a short memory. I mean, it was our idea not to backlight the GBA, and look how much money that saved. Yeah. So, what kind of game should we pitch? I've been thinking about that. It's been a while since we did something with Metroid. Last game in the series is widely considered to be a masterpiece. I mean, Gameloaf gave it six out of five hair razors, and Famtaro says that... Here, hold on, I've got the copyright here. Super Metroid San is a living god. So, so why don't we do a sequel? I am picking up what you're putting down. Let me bounce some ideas off you. Standard business workshop. SBW, exactly. So, let me ask you, what's your favorite thing about Super Metroid? Well, it feels sort of lonely, you know? I mean, you've got this overwhelming sense of isolation. It's, it's really up to you to figure out where to go and when. Exactly. So, what if instead, we had some sort of constant computer companion who directed you from place to place? Uh, well, wait a minute, I, I think you're on to something. What, what, if, what if Samus kept a running internal monologue? You know, so the player always knows what she's thinking. That'd totally destroy the player's ability to identify with her. This is exactly how an SBW is supposed to work. Now, let me ask you, do you remember the boss fights? Oh, sure. I mean, there's that creepy plant one with the cool music and, and Kraid where he took up most of the screen. And there are only a couple, but they're all really awesome and memorable. What if we do that, but instead we make getting your new abilities contingent on fighting boss after boss each more frustrating than the last? I'm talking classic bad design. No discernible pattern. Tons of damage that works. Oh, I like it. I like it. Hey, speaking of music. Yeah? Let's really shit it up. I mean, let's get rid of all the bleak minimalism and, and do some sort of heroic action movie electronica. You know, maybe we could license Dragula. I'm with you up to the last part. I say we use five different remixes of Dragula, no matter how bad it sounds. What are, you, what are your thoughts on... What the fuck? We did it, Gary. We went back in time. And we killed the people who ruined Metroid Fusion. We're truly heroes, Cole. Hey, watch out for, watch out for fireballs, motherfuckers. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you are listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. This is a retroid... Retroid. It's a retroid... <laughs> retroid. retroid video game. It is a retro video game podcast. And we happen to be talking about Metroid Fusion this episode. Yeah, Metroid Fusion. Uh, it's an action-adventure game developed by Nintendo for the Game Boy Advance in 2002. Um, it's a bit of a stretch to call it a Metroidvania game, um, but you get the idea. That is the current moniker that we have decided to overuse in these modern times. Yeah, in the as, parlance, as a people. Of as a people. As, yeah, as a species, we've decided to overuse the, the phrase Metroidvania, and uh, we're, we're, you know, we're only human. Um, chronologically, if, if you're keeping a, a timeline, this is the last game in the franchise. 
and it deviates severely from the the established formula of its predecessors. Um, it's a lot more linear, and it features a lot of direct narrative, a lot of exposition, and a lot of dialogue. It's also very different in the stuff that you do too. You know, rather than, rather than fighting space pirates and caverns below alien planets and stuff like that, uh, Samus actually must contain an outbreak of these rapidly multiplying virus-like creatures called X on a on an abandoned research station with a bunch of different kinds of terrain. And kind of the main conceit of the game is that X can mimic anything uh, that it infects, including Samus herself, and that is, uh, you know, the majority of what you fight. Right. Right. And this game was really well received by by critics, but uh, kind of in the the harsh light of history, it's it's pretty divisive um, as far as games in the series among its fans and among uh, people on this podcast as well. So. <laughs> as you'll find out, so uh, place your bets now. Um, you know, one of the things, and this is something we'll talk about too. But you know, it's 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 interesting narratively. Um, that this is the, the kind of the end of the line for the Metroid series, and every every game that's come out since then has been an integral, you know, something that took place either between you know Super Metroid and this, or between mm-hmm. you know other games. So they did something weird with it narratively. Uh, what, what what is kind of interesting to know, and I didn't know this until I started doing research for this episode, but there was a sequel to Fusion called Metroid Dread um, that has been in development hell for about ten years since uh, Metroid Fusion came out. Right. And there, there's also, um, and this is kind of a side bit, it doesn't have to do so much with the uh, chronology of the series, but if you're ever interested in seeing kind of a real weird take on this game, it's kind of like an alternate take, if you go to uh, www.unseen64, which is a really cool website about kind of prototype versions of games and everything, they uh, they have some early footage from this game that's really strange and really <laughs> different. So, the, and, and it's kind of, it's it's much more edgy, you know the the logo has all these like blades kind of coming off it, and Samus looks very muscular. So it's kind of it's kind of a, like they're going to do the other M kind of extreme. You know, I, I never played Other M, which is the game that takes place immediately before this, but I assume that it's just you know everything you do just has a guitar solo attached to it and everything. <laughs> like it seems just like a real like actiony. I don't know, but uh, T- Team yeah. Ninja did develop it. Right, right, right. A whole team of ninjas. <laughs> a whole team, all of them. Yeah, so so the the plot of this game, um, Samus was on, Samus was on an expedition to SR388, which is the Metroid homeworld, and she was infected by a mysterious cre- creature that was mimicking another creature. It's called X. They're these kind of airborne blobs that were once kept in check by the Metroids, but now that she's all but exterminated the Metroids, <laughs> they're running rampant on the planet. And the real threat has revealed itself. Yes, whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> Metroid versus X. So, So, um, as a result of this encounter, you know, Samus is pretty much nearly dead, and uh, scientists had to surgically remove the suit, which is grafted to her now for some reason, um, and infuse her with Metroid DNA uh, in order to fight the infection. Um, And this creates a lot of kind of narrative reasons for some of the gameplay changes a little bit down the line. Um, This procedure was done above SR388 on the Biologic Space Laboratories uh, space station, which is where the game takes place, uh, because the scientists were unable to contain the X outbreak uh, that came off of Samus, leading to the abandonment of the stations. And even worse, the X have uh, started mimicking Samus at her strongest. It's kind of one of the things that's really interesting about this plot point is that... um 
and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later too. But this game has a lot of parallels. Um, you know, Metroid has always kind of been uh, informed by Alien and Aliens mm-hmm. in those movies, and this game I think has the most parallels to that. You know, and we'll, we'll I don't want to get into spoilers for the rest of the podcast, but we'll we'll talk about them. But one of the things, whenever uh, a space corporation justifies keeping some terrible menace alive, um, this is what they're talking about. They're saying that it'll be useful for things other than war. And here they are actually using Metroid, you know, Metroids to to keep Samus alive mm-hmm. and actually heal her. So that's kind of interesting. You know, maybe they're not just, uh, you know, being entirely sinister. Maybe they actually do see, you know, some some applications for the Metroids that are a little bit more benign. You know, I didn't see that nuance, but it, it does maintain a lot of consistency across that and them having kept little bits of Metroid around is really important because because of this procedure you know, Samus is now the only person in the entire galaxy who is immune to the X, um, since she right. is part, she's part Chozo, part human, and now part Metroid. Um, right. You know, I, I can only assume that she is not, she is now barren. Uh, she, she, <laughs> she, she could not have any, she could not have any viable offspring with all of these species that she is now. And, and as soon as you say that, uh, all of deviant art just sheds a single tear. Uh, <laughs> So, 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 uh, since she is now the, the, you know, immune to the, to the effects of this menace, uh, she is sent in by the Federation to stop the threat and she's being guided by an AI, uh, that is living in her ship named Adam. She names him that because he reminds her of, uh, former commanding officer, something like that. Again, another tie to Metroid Other M, which we should probably just kind of ignore. Uh, but but Adam kind of lays out um, the missions that uh, Samus is going to undertake to, you know, kind of help eradicate the X and bring the station back online. Kind of over the course of the game, you know, you keep encountering the SAX and uh, you're forced just to kind of run or hide because you've been depowered and it has all of your abilities at your peak. So you're totally totally outmatched. Um, so you're forced to kind of avoid SAX while regathering all of your powers from, from the different bosses in the station until you're finally strong enough to, to confront your doppelganger. And the game has a pretty cool climax too. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. You, you didn't get to it, Gary, but we'll get I, to I, it. I, I did not. <laughs> no, I, I did not. Um, but the, but the game climaxes with the discovery that, uh, the Federation intends to use the X, um, and the various multiple SAXs, uh, the clones of Samus as weapons, uh, through throughout the galaxy to help you know keep the rule down. So all that stuff about them being benign, nope, not really. <laughs> they're benign when it comes to Metroids. Yes, and yeah. and malicious when it comes to to X. Yes, but but Metroids were the old threat. That's old news, Gary. That's old news. <laughs> so Samus and Adam, who is now sentient for some reason, uh, decide to direct the space station itself um, to self destruct on SR thirty eight on a collision course to eliminate uh, the X threat forever and as the credits roll samus is a fugitive from the law and we never hear from her again even though that would be an awesome game yeah <laughs> yes yes it, yes indeed it would um so yeah so why don't we kind of just kind of go through through the main areas um you know, you're in the game. You're kind of directed to to do do various missions. You're either trying to get past, um, get you know, get part of your abilities back, or go open up a door, or go you know, uh, clear some vents. The computer kind of tells you where to go, and you you are split up between the six main areas of this kind of hub uh, world of the space station. 
and uh, you start, but you start out right in the the main deck. It, it, it reminds me of. Well, maybe Dead Space reminds me of this, too. But a lot of the missions that you undertake really are kind of like practical in terms of what you would actually do on a failing space station. You know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, before we can get anywhere, we have to get the elevators online. And, you know, contingent upon that is you getting your abilities back. So you have to get the missiles and things like that. So the so so the computer missions do make sense to a certain extent in this in this in this early part of the game. Um, as you kind of try and figure out and, you know, figure out how to get to the spokes on the wheel as opposed to the hub. Um, but, uh, in order to get your mission, you know, your, your, your missiles back and get the morph ball, you have to do your first boss fight, which is, um, an armadillo that is, you know, strangely named Arachnus for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, maybe it's some, like some college kids where they have like a cat named dog, you know, it's, it's something like that. Um, <laughs> But and and this is this is fine, you know. This is a, a reasonably fun, easy, easy boss fight, um, you know. And you get, you know, this is kind of I feel like the part, and this with the next section is kind of where the game is ingratiating you with nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're getting all these classic abilities. Um, you know, the first area that we're going to go to next is is modeled after the Metroid Homeworld, so it has some kind of familiar architecture and everything. Yeah. It's kind of weird to me, though, that one of the things you have to go do is get the morph balls so you can get around. I mean, is that <laughs> something like everybody who worked on the station had morph ball? Because <laughs> that would be incredible. Like just <laughs> like all these little like rolling around mad balls, you know, just uh, you know, do, like okay, well, I just got to go fix the the help, you know, and then <laughs> you just you go roll into that. God, I don't know. Imagine how much money you can make as a chiropractor on that station. but uh it's it's funny how you say appealing to nostalgia with that progression um because nintendo does that don't they yeah like like really well you know the 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 other parallel i think of is you know zelda which which goes you know forest mountain water boomerang (laughs) boomerang bow all of that kind of stuff you you pretty much know what you're going to get next and you know just by repeating that kind of catechism over and over again it's uh it's comforting right right yeah yeah totally but uh you you get the morph ball to go around the specially designed space station which was made for people who can turn into morph balls i guess (laughs) (laughs) and it's almost a shame about this game and it's a shame about my kind of experience and my fuzzy recollection of a lot of it even having just played and beaten it a lot of the traversal it it, it seems kind of unmemorable to me and and that's a, and that, that is a shame because that's the best part of any kind of metroid game is figuring out how to get from place to place right so that's why we're not going to be su- at least I'm not going to be super specific about kind of the moment to moment a because it'll take up way too much time and b because not a lot of it stuck out unless it was either particularly infuriating or particularly um kind of entertaining and and novel yeah absolutely i mean by by the end of uh, the second half of this game where you're you're revisiting areas you've been to they do some neat things with it with the the areas kind of progressing in your absence Mm -hmm. but it does kind of run together and this is a a real it's kind of strange because this is a real short game and you you know your play clock will be you know like around four hours after you've been this game I I had to, you know I died so many times that I probably played it a lot more than that. Yeah. Um but yeah for a 4 hour game it is strangely unmemorable moment to moment. But you know kind of combating that is is the kind of variety in in the areas and like you said you go to this area sector 1 uh which is uh kind of given the initialism SRX um which is modeled after the Metroid home world kind of rocky kind of cavernous 
uh, you know, kind of like that. And you're supposed to get the atmospheric stabilizers online because apparently that is how the X are propagating themselves throughout the station. And uh, I'm kind of near the, the end of this. So you go through and you are, uh, destroying the X that are attached to each of these, these vents. And after, uh, is it the after you get the last one or the last one is protected by the boss? Um, I think that the last one is protected by the boss. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's, a, it's kind of a nice uh, little touch. There's a, a Chozo statue, which are those kind of tall, strange alien looking things that you associate with getting items in the uh, in the Metroid world. Bird people. And uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, you know, weird, weird bird monsters. There's, you know, if you want to scan everything in Metroid Prime, you'll learn a lot about them. I, you know, I, I don't, so I, I, I don't, I don't know very much about the mythos of this series while, while still being a fan, but I do not, not know much about it. Um, but this one turns out to be kind of a fake out. I like it when things do that, you know, just when it's like, Oh, nope. Okay. Again, why I like dark souls a lot, but, uh, it lures you in. It's kind of like, Ooh, come and get me. This is something that is good for you. And then boom, it, it knocks you over the head. Um, right. and this is your first encounter with, uh, one of the banes of my existence, the core X. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in one of the many, like just kind of mind boggling decisions they made in this game, um, is that after every boss, so, so you, you know, you putting you into the, the situation that I was in tons of times in this game where you, you fight a boss and a lot of them are really tough and you, you barely beat it. Like, you know, maybe you're, you've even got that annoying Metroid beep going on. <laughs> And you you had to fight this little like afterthought thing that isn't like difficult necessarily, but it's kind of cheap. And you know, I several times I beat a boss and then died on this this uh, little postscript boss thing that serves no purpose. Like it's not fun to fight. It's not you know. There's no reason for it to be there. And I can't. It's so perplexing of a decision to do this. It's like. Mm. In, in in a game where the, the 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 one of the main appeals is the novelty of everything, where all the bosses and like the first parts of the different boss fights, those are all fine and good. You know, you're supposed to adapt to them and you're supposed to figure out how to use your new items and things like that. That's fine, but it's just it's it's almost galling how similar each of these core X fights is. There's there's two of them. Like yeah. there's two different types. So they're they're very similar, and you're going to fight a lot of bosses in this game because you fight one for almost every ability you get back. So every ability you get back, you do fight one, and then I think you find missiles and you find uh, power bombs and stuff outside of that. But anything that's like an ability of your suit, you have to fight a boss. So you have to fight one of these core X things, and it just it just feels really cheap, you know. It just I, I don't know, like the the times I died fighting them was very frustrating. Um, you know, one thing I'm I'm thinking about with this podcast through you know that people listeners are going to think that I am just shitty at video games. <laughs> They're playing this because I did find this game really hard and didn't beat it. Um, and and I don't know you know to what degree that is true. And I but I do know to what degree I care, which is not at all. And, <laughs> and um, you know, and so it was just it made me angry to have to fight you know the the challenging, interesting boss again, which mm-hmm. nothing's challenging and interesting the second time you do it in, in a span of ten minutes. Yeah. Just to just to die on these stupid shitheads. Yeah. So that's going to be something you can just assume after every boss fight, and unless it's an especially egregious example, that we were frustrated by the core X aspect. Yeah, it's never that. cool. Like even <laughs> even if you if you beat the boss with enough hit points to not have it be a problem, it's never fun or cool. It right. never is like oh cool and I gotta fight this thing. Never. Yeah. Just a chore. never never. Just a just no. a straight chore. But you leave the SRX and you go back to the hub world, and uh, it, this sets kind of the next tone. 
or the the tone for all the missions in the game. There's a there's another fire somewhere in the station that you are uh, tasked to go put out. Sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, mm-hmm. and always it's an emergency. So, um, and part of these are all artificial time limits. You know, when when the the commander, or the computer tells you, you know, you have to get there right away. Unless there's a time limit on the screen, there's no actual time limit. But it does kind of be, you know speak to to one of the design philosophies in this game, and it's something that we'll end up coming back to again and again. Is that linearity and that kind of, you know, it is not a freeform game, you know. Whereas, you know, Metroids in the past, you know, you chose where you where to go. You could kind of take your time with it. It was exploratory, and this is not. Um, so, you know, you, you go back and they they tell you you need to go to to TRO to get the uh, to get the bomb data. Um, it's not, you know, it kind of introduces you to these these bomb mazes um, that are kind of a hallmark of the series. And uh, but somehow this one is is a little bit more more frustrating. A lot of blind groping and a lot of searching for blocks for blocks that might be destructible, but are invisible or are very poorly patterned. I don't know how. Sounds I... like my sex life. But <laughs> <laughs> goal. Ooh, hey, boing. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's just I don't know how I ever played this game on a non backlit screen, Gary. Yeah, like, yeah. The, no, the non-backlit GBA is worse than the Virtual Boy. It, it is like the worst piece of hardware that Nintendo ever did. It's terrible. It's worthless. Yeah, I mean, even on this with a brightly lit screen, looking for the areas where, yet yeah, yes, there is a slightly different texture or you know just kind of graphical cues as to where you're supposed to bomb. Man, even even with the extra bright Game Boy Advance SP, good lord. Yeah, it's kind of pretty difficult to see. Um, yeah. So, so after after you you kind of navigate through this, um, you find an, another boss monster. This one kind of like a upside down, uh, uh, you know, uh, pitcher plant kind of thing. <laughs> it looks like a, a, I think you have it here on the notes as a purple condom, <laughs> which, it, which is about right. It's like a novelty condom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you, so you get some abilities, and this kind of leads into the first, I would say, kind of high point of the game. Like the first mm-hmm. really awesome thing is. Is your first encounter with the the SAX? Yeah, which makes it very clear that this game is in 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 no small part a survival horror game. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, this idea you know it's actually and it, it's suitably you know pretty unnerving you know like it's not necessarily scary. I would I wouldn't say I wasn't necessarily scared because of that layer of kind of abstraction between me and, and the game, um, but it it was it is really cool. Like every up until you know, the end, every time you run into SAX, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, so those are, those are the high points of the game. I think this game gets a lot of goodwill generated by, by those. Yeah. And they're definitely my favorite parts. It, it, it mimics, I mean, every, and every time up until, you know, maybe halfway through the game, you encounter SAX, you're locked behind some kind of wall and you just see her kind of like roaming around and the music goes quiet. And all you hear is like maybe some low bass and possibly, her footsteps as it goes around and uh it made me kind of sad that i didn't have headphones to play it with um honestly because that would have been neat but that but that whole they can't get at me but i can see them reminded me of uh, one of my favorite scenes in blue velvet Mm. actually yeah that's that's an interesting well it's 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 where uh kyle mclaughlin is in the is in the closet while uh while what's his name dennis hopper beats the shit out of isabella rosalini Yeah, yeah yeah And he's just looking through there. It's like, oh my gosh, are they going to see me? Are they not? Um, that's the feeling that I got from it. 
<laughs> that's a really yeah, it's a really terrifying situation. Hiding is is great, and there's yeah. not enough of that in in video games. Um, there's a series called Clock Tower where you do a lot of that, which is not a great series, but there's there's some fun to be had there. I need to get my copy of Haunting Ground back from an ex girlfriend. Yeah, some, uh, at some point we should do Haunting Ground. <laughs> yes, we should. Like I like I like that game, but um, one of the 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 cool thing about this though is the implication when you're doing this is that. This thing is just kind of roaming around the station looking for you. You'll <laughs> never run out, run into it outside of scripted events, but you get that kind of feeling, and that's really cool. You know that you could run into this at any point. In my notes here, I just have simply "goddamn." Period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So after you briefly survive or, you know, barely survive a fake brush with death as, as this machine that was specifically designed to murder you um, walks away, bored, I suppose, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you proceed to the requisite uh, water level of the game. And if there's one postulate that I wish, you know, that, that I hope you take away from this podcast, any episode of this podcast that deals with it, is that water levels are never fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Very, very rare are these okay. Especially um, if you're supposed to manipulate water levels, you know, like, you know, up and down and certain areas are accessible in different ways. Nope, never fun. Ever. I like that. I mean, this one, it it would have been worse if you had to bring the water back up. Yes. After lowering it. Like, if you had to keep bringing it back and forth, that's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. This is just, you kind of have to find a switch. It's a zero tolerance policy, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I, I do not begrudge you that. <laughs> hey, you're an American. <laughs> You, you can come up with whatever can, policies you want. It, I can think. I can. I can think of whatever absolutes I please. Absolutely, it's it's what makes this country great. <laughs> and it's what makes Sector Four Aqua AQA uh, a little bit obnoxious. It's like an airport code. But this kind of culminates. You're going here because the breeding ground of this Ceres uh, sea monster, and eventually you do you do fight the the monster in order to get the speed booster power, which we. We all know about, and this is a pretty annoying fight. Um, this is one of those things where the monster kind of comes from a random direction off screen. Um, half of the screen is underwater, so if you happen to be underwater, you know you move in slow mo, and you just have this tiny little hitbox on the on the sea serpent. I feel like this might have been the first point in which I felt like something was wrong with the bosses, <laughs> like because there wasn't, I couldn't, there was no way really for me to tell where he was going to come before. Before he did, like if I the the my real estate that I can see is too small to see him coming if I'm standing on one of those platforms, so he can very easily just kind of go over the platform and knock me into the water, and this is where the there's an aspect of boss fights in this game where I feel like it is just you have to take a good number of hits, yeah. you know there's just there's a lot of unavoidable damage or maybe you just again you just have to be better at video games than me <laughs> to avoid it. Um, so it, it kind of became this endurance contest. And there, there are monsters where it's worse, but this is the first time I got the inkling where it's, wow, I did not know how to avoid that. If, if I was zoomed out a little bit, maybe I could do it. But Attri- with this, this screen and everything, I cannot. Attrition is never fun. Yeah. Uh, except yeah. in very rare instances where it's made to make you feel hopeless. Attrition is just terrible design. And right. I just I found myself just firing missiles randomly in every direction that I could, hoping I didn't run out of either missiles or health. Right, because because his, he moves so quickly and his hitbox is so small, you almost have to have like a spider sense. Like you almost <laughs> have to fire the missile before you see him. 
unless he's coming right at you, in which case you're going to get hit. And if there's a better way to do this, I don't know. I didn't know it. And no, yeah, there I just is kind there, of muscled through it. There is no pattern. I, I tried examining a pattern. Like I, I made a note. Okay, left, right, left, left. Oh, so it's really just our arbitrary. Okay, cool. Right. <laughs> Not cool, so, but cool. Yeah, okay. yeah boss, boss fights in this game are, are pretty... Like, some of them are kind of neat, but I feel like their design is pretty shitty. And this was, again, first inkling. Yep. So. so you do a 180 from the water zone planet area to Lava Land. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> it's, it's hitting all the video game bases, really. Exactly. So you go to Purr. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and one of the neat things um, about this is the game handles lava in a in a, a way that's kind of closer to real life, where being anywhere near lava hurts you. You don't have to just be submerged in it. Um, it's always been a weird video game thing where you can walk right next to a lava pool and be be a okay. Yeah. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about the end of Resident Evil Five. <laughs> I played that, but I haven't gotten spend, there yet. Spend a lot of time just hanging out by lava. Yep. In that in that climax, and it's pretty strange. No big but deal. It, my my arms is like tree trunks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so this is it's it's neat and it's refreshing. And lava is not just red death water. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like I, I liked this area because you start getting some pretty dist- disturbing hints that SAX is kind of like right around you and has agency. You know, you find doors that are already opened, and you know there 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 are times where you'll go through an area, and when you come back through it, like different things will be destroyed. Which is, right. which is which is neat um, and and unnerving because you you know there's anything that messes with like permanence is is neat because you 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 imagine that like okay this is what this level is and this is what it's going to be like forever unless there is some kind of massive catastrophe and those do come later but it's more unnerving when it's when it's subtle like this right you're not the only agent of change in this world like there's a there's another another entity at work and that's really powerful and really cool yeah and and i feel like you know i i, I appreciate that every time that that popped up and in, in spite of my my you know objections to this game in general like that was really neat kind of second behind the the sax encounters as being really cool things about this game mm-hmm. and kind of similarly the, the the whole preamble to the security boss fight is pretty cool because you you go into like a, a security room or a data room or something like that and you hear a loud explosion and you come back and then just the room is destroyed everything is mm-hmm. destroyed and you have to find a new path and then you get to you know one of the more senseless boss fights in the game yeah yeah, this is not, uh, you know, spoiler, this guy comes back and he's he's more annoying. Yeah. But the, this first boss fight, I mean, it's all about kind of like diagonal shooting, <laughs> like hanging. You know, so Samus has, a, and we haven't really talked about this, Samus has a couple of new abilities in this game. Um, one of which is kind of ledging, like jumping onto a ledge and pulling herself by her, up on her arms. And the other one is that she can um, hold, you know, uh, grab onto the ceiling in certain certain textures and kind of hand over hand walk herself so that is the kind of the the name of the game for this this boss fight is you hanging from the ceiling and hitting the security and it gets just a spider shaped another spider shaped uh <laughs> kind of boss and a spider shaped boss and and shooting him in his, his sweet spot but he does this jump attack where he can hit you if you're right above him so you need to kind of angle your attacks and uh the the kind of the hardware is not made made for this make this easy because to fire diagonally downward you have to hold the left trigger and the right trigger at the same time to activate your missiles and also press down 
and hope that you're facing in the right direction. And so you have to post up at this place and those, what, what was that? 12 button presses that you have to do in order to hit this, <laughs> you know, four pixel wide sweet spot. Um, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, no, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's a pretty, it's, it's pretty tough. Again, it doesn't get, it's not ridiculous at this point, but it is tough. Yeah. Um, after this, we head to uh, knock, which is a, a area of the, the ship that is nocturnal. And is it is the dark area, <laughs> and you're there to get the the Varia suit, which is an, it's one of those power ups. I and mean, we talked about this before, but my least favorite kind of power ups, where all it does is it doesn't increase your agency; it just gives you another place to go. Yeah. So it's not you know not that fun. Never been that big a fan of the the Varia suit. No. Um, and the Varia suit, and they they kind of I wish that they would just combine the Varia suit and the gravity suit in Metroid games because <laughs> the Varia suit is the temperature one so it just unlocks some areas and then the gravity suit lets you go underwater and just you know just throw them together that'd yeah. be fine make them make them one thing although it is nice to be able to tell by looking at your character exactly how far you are in the game mm. that was one of the things i really liked about Mega Man x actually was as yeah. you as you progressed and got the secret upgrades you progressively looked more and more like a badass yeah that, that is true so uh. I'm not a fan of like, ooh, I got another costume for this character, so I got to put it on because that's just cosmetic. But this actually, you know, indicates some level of progress. So some part of me likes, uh, you know, playing dress up. One of the the cool things about this area is that there are these blue X blobs and uh, they are uh, informed by ice. And Samus, because you've taken in this Metroid DNA, you're uh, you're you're very susceptible to ice. Which is kind of neat. Like that's kind of a cool weakness. You know, ice has always been been one of uh, Samus's tools. And now, if any of you try to, you usually absorb X um, when they're in blob form. I guess we didn't really talk too much about that, but you know, the X float around as these blobs, and then they kind of coalesce into into creatures that presumably were native to the ship. Um, that are the monsters you fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, these ones, if you try to absorb them, you get frozen, and it hurts you. And you can freeze them by shooting at them, so it do, it does make another you know nice little flight as gameplay um, moment. Not mm-hmm. flight as in like no, I'm flying, but you know fleeing. Right. It, make, it makes fleet as gameplay. Yes. <laughs> How, could you want to state that a couple more ways? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> run, run, running away is the shit you do. Um, okay. so, <laughs> so, so, um, but uh, you eventually get to uh, where you can get the various suit. I don't like any kind of boss fight where it's like, okay, here's a big thing with a bunch of stuff rotating around it, and you have to figure out a way to make it vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't like it in Sonic, didn't like it in Castlevania. Um, hardly liked it in Yoshi's Island. Not Yoshi's Island. That was a bad game all around. Um, oh, Yoshi's Island's not a bad Is that the... That's the N64 Whoa. one. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> whoa. No, I would never yeah. besmirch Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, I, I, I like the version of this boss that's the um, that's associated with the hook shot and linked to the past. Oh, yeah, the, that the is good. The giant blob surrounded by eyeballs. Shit. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that one is good. But that's because right. the hook shot's like the best tool in any Zelda game. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's super, super fun. And because it's, it's a much better game. Yep. Than, um, <laughs> whereas this one, yeah, it, it's not that. It's not a great... Yeah. you know uh expression of that kind of boss trope yeah and the, it it does kind of the, this is probably where it started turning around for me honestly because even though the boss fights are very poorly designed they take tired designs and they and, and they make them terrible somehow it's like this has been done better in a lot of other places 
In fact, so much so that this has become a cliche at this point, but you're still going to do it and ruin it. So, whoops. Right. I and guess. They're, they're also, all of them are really damaged sponges. And these yeah. bosses take a long time. We're going to get to that second form of that uh, security boss. And man, I got a, I got a rant about that. <laughs> I got prepared for you. So, okay. so look out listener. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, they take, they take too long to kill. Yeah. And, and so, um, so after, you know, after this, you've, you've got your Vario suits. So you can finally go to arc, which is the Arctic section. And, uh, the goal is to get the ice missile, which I thought was kind of a nice little subversion mm-hmm. of, of Metroid, uh, you know, standards, whereas instead of the, you know, the ice beam, which you, you know, you, they talk about how your system can't handle it mm-hmm. uh, because of your ice weakness, but you can get ice missiles as this kind of external thing. Yeah. And that's kind of neat. I, I was kind of underwhelmed by this whole section though. I, I agree with you on the ice missiles um, just because they, they build it up as this place that, you know, just like, Oh, don't go there. Cause you're going to die. You're too weak. But once you get the various suit, it, it just becomes this normal area. So I kind of wish they made it, um, you know, better, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this where you can find uh frozen Ridley? Uh, frozen Ridley is actually, um, on the main deck. Okay. I want to say in like a storage room in the main deck. And that's a really awesome moment yeah. where that happens. Like this, this, uh, space station has Ridley frozen in like cold storage <laughs> and, uh, you, you can go visit, go <laughs> visit Ridley. And it's a really nice little, you know, there's no music. Yeah. And, uh, it's really nice. That's, uh, I mean, I, I kind of equate that to the beginning of, um, super Metroid where you go through the, uh, boss area where you fought mother brain at the start. Yeah. 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 Like that a lot. Yeah. So after this, you go back to uh, Per, and uh, it, it, this is the the first kind of timed mission, one one of two that's in the game, um, just because the the Per section is um, melting down, and you have to get to the main control room before everything kind of goes away. I normally am averse to like hard limit timed missions in in video games. I feel like they're you know overwhelmingly punitive. Um, you know where you have a clock in the upper right hand side of the screen mm-hmm. and go you know, just balls out run. But, uh, I, I think it works in a Metroid game, honestly, because you're expected to remember how you navigated this place. And, you know, normally you have this really considered way of going about it and you're not covering any kind of new ground in, 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 in this one, but you just have to figure out how to do it as quickly as you can. And I thought it was a nice little challenge without being super impossible or trial and error like, uh, like other time missions tend to be. Right. And and it's also it's one of those legacy uh series mechanics. So doing these kind of timed things like this is, is gonna give you that little nostalgia burst. Yeah. Because it's a just a thing associated with the series. So I had no problem with it in this one. I th- I thought it was fun. And I usually do think they're fun in, in Metroid mm-hmm. games. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. But uh and this leads to another kind of narrative narrative point as well, because you expect to fight a boss at the end of this uh, balls out run to the control station, but you just find a scientist who's standing at this panel and you find out, Oh, the X have absorbed the scientists and their knowledge and they're manipulating the equipment. So it's not just SAX who is going around trying to stop me. It's also these scientists who know what the hell they're doing. Right. Them being able to, to animate uh, people, you know, adds like a little level of, of body horror invasion of the body snatchers kind of creepiness to it, which is cool. And, and there's a moment when you first run into it, there is, obviously kind of a moment of relief you know <laughs> maybe that that this is just another there's another person on the space station but it's cool they subvert that yeah kind of like with um, the with the chozo yeah a little bit yep yeah 
But uh, <laughs> nope, turns out it's not going to be a huge mutated scientist you fight. It's just a Corax. Don't worry. No yeah. big deal. Hey, you fought these before. You'll fight them again. They'll <laughs> be an around. old hand at it. Don't worry. Yep. <laughs> you, you fight him. And the clock is ticking, so it adds a little bit more uh, kind of intensity to the fight. But still, you know, could have come up with something more creative. Yeah. And when you inevitably do beat the Corex, you get the wide beam, which is actually, yeah. you know, really one of the more useful power-ups. One of the, the things I do like, one of the, you know, things I'll give this game credit for is that there are more degrees of, of power for your basic attack. I feel like in this game mm-hmm. than a lot of Metroid games, like the, the, the different things you can get are, are make your, your beam much more, just kind of do more damage. Whereas I feel like in other Metroid games, maybe that was the case, but didn't come across as much. Like it just kind of increased your, uh, you know, your spread or, you know, you'd have special effects, like you would have the, the ice beam. And this one, you know, I, everything took considerably fewer hits every time I would get an upgrade to my basic beam. Yeah. And that was really cool. Which made backtracking, you know, the, the little amount of backtracking that you do in this game um, pretty cool because you do get that sense of like, oh, I'm much better now as I go through. Right. It's kind of like walking around outside of Narsh in Final Fantasy VI because you're just going mm-hmm. to check and see what's up there, you know. Right. It just like, <laughs> I just want to see what's happening in Knock. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just checking in. Don't worry. No big deal. Um, after this is a brief little quest where you go back to the main deck and the computer says, hey, there's life forms. Nope, they're just animals. They're the animals you, rec- you rescued in, you know, Super Metroid. Bye, yeah, animals. This, this, this was like, um, like, first of all, it's kind of like a little bit of like Chekhov's gun kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. these guys, you know, fulfill an important plot point at the end. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of cloyingly to me, <laughs> like kind of annoyingly. And part of it also, I mean, I don't know if you got the sense, but when you try to inject this much narrative into a series that is, is so known for not having that much, it seems like they're grasping for every little bit that there was like, and at no point during super Metroid did I feel like these animals were important or that they were, you know, these guys were going to come back in any way or that they should, you know, I liked them in super Metroid. I just thought they were this neat little optional, you know, in-game explanation of essentially a tutorial. And then to make them kind of more characters, in this like you know yes they're adorable like i, I you know I, i'm not i'm not a, i'm not made of stone but but, but they're, they're just i i don't know like it just feels a little bit like they're grasping for something they could they could attach this to well i don't know why you hate fluffy animals gary um <laughs> I, I i am pro fluffy animal that's my thing even you know despite my allergies you know i can i can overcome that <laughs> um, but uh, I agree with you. They, they, they are kind of grasping. But uh, what I will say in, in, in kind of defense, yes, it is ridiculous. And yes, it is trying to build up the, the lore of the flora and fauna of the Metroid universe. Um, but as one of the only Nintendo series that has any kind of continuity, um, I like this nod to things that happened in Super Metroid. You know, as kind of like a through line, it is it is something that Metroid does well, and it's something that Metroid does uniquely in the, in the Nintendo canon. So I, I don't I don't begrudge it a terrible amount. I wish that they just would have been in the background, but the the role they play later just really <laughs> seems stupid to me. It just seems dumb. <laughs> I don't have any other way to to express how I feel about it. So after this little diversion, you go back to uh, Ark. You know. Your mm-hmm. fourth time visiting it, I think. Fourth, fifth, yeah. something. Wondering what's happening on Ark. So you get the super bomb, and this leads to one of my favorite story beats. Again, the the goodwill of uh, of, of Yakety Sax. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yakety S A X. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. This is, this is a great moment. Yeah. Um, because this is the first time you are, you, you run from, uh, SAX and you're, you get stuck behind a wall where it's just, and instead of it walking away and getting bored, it's waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you can destroy the barrier in front of you, but by doing so, you also destroy the barrier between you and SAX. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time it's going to actually be able to attack you and kill you. And it definitely will. Like it, it, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. And again, this is this is an this is an awesome moment. Maybe my favorite in the game. Like this yeah. is a really cool, cool thing to happen. Echoes of the end escape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know that pursuit is game mechanic thing that I'm. You know I don't feel like it's done enough in video games. <laughs> really, really cool here. It, it's it's exhilarating and it's not too frustrating because there's not a lot of ground you have to recover. If you fail and fail, you will. Um, <laughs> Unlike this next part, which is, I think, where the game loses me utterly in terms of my patience with it to abide any of its chicanery. Yeah, this is this is where I started posting on the internet. Like it was almost, I felt like I was in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and and I would needed support from my sponsors to like keep going. Like, like somebody convinced me not to just like lock myself in a room with a bottle of varnish and just end it because <laughs> you know. For for you know you you go back you go back to your ship and you you're going to like a the like a reactor to reactivate the power for for the station and you, you do this whole like you're going through vents um, you know it's super obnoxious they they put a save point and then tons of this going through vents and then put you know this categorically terrible 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 boss at the end a terrible boss that is shaped like a spider yeah he is he is the fucking goddamn spider of this game. <laughs> In a, in a game full of goddamn spiders. Oh, man, it's a. Uh, um, I, I forget what it was that I posted in the Facebook group, but it was something like a spider enemy in a video game is shorthand for such complicated concepts as the unbridled contempt of the player by the game designer. Fuck you, and no, really, fuck you. Yeah, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Like I don't know what it is about spiders in, in video games. It yeah. makes me feel good about all of the, like the the scores of them I've killed in Skyrim with no problem because like. <laughs> That is that is the spider killer revenge. Like if you hate spiders, play that game and you'll yeah. kill so many of them. <laughs> but uh, so like it's it's one of these things where the first form of it, you know, it, it's not too bad. Like you get you have to avoid him. He shoots fire at you. He has this really small hitbox to, to hit, but that's fine. But then his second form, like he just he moves around randomly with no discernible pattern and really quickly, and pretty much turns the whole screen into an unsafe zone. And you just have to hope. <laughs> like that you have enough hit points left to take the hits that you're going to get because you're, you're not going to avoid them. Just kind of running back and forth, shooting your missiles up and just kind of, you know, wishing. <laughs> and and when you die and you will, you have to go through so much annoying game to get back. Like, you know, again, like, you know, rules of game, there, there should never not be a recharge station and a save point before a boss. Immediately. In Immediately before in, a boss. In any game. Not just this, like specifically in this game, and it's what actually led me to to not being able to finish the game is a similar situation to this later. But never, never, there's no reason not to do that. Like, what what's the point? You know, what is mm -hmm. the point? How is that fun? Nothing. Like, yeah, it's the, awful. The, the the slog to get to the spider boss, you, you, you know, you're you're kind of climbing around in the in the ducks and guts of the of of the main deck. You know, you get the, you get the sense that okay, this is the very framework of the ship. It's okay, you know, you just have to do some bombing puzzles and get around. Um, but like you said before, nothing is interesting the tenth time you do it. Right. <laughs> Right. And and this is just kind of built to ensure that kind of repetition. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, I'm sure like the, the philosophy behind it is that it's supposed to be challenging and you're supposed to continually redo that until you master, master it. And there's supposed to be some kind of satisfaction in mastering that point. But I don't, I mean, there's something, you know, maybe just different about the, how I think about video games, but that's not, that's not how I work. That's not going to be fun for me ever. But you get a pretty cool traversal power for beating it. Yeah, you, 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 know. you know, you're, you unlock the classic, uh, classic space jump. I, I found, found this a, somewhat like harder to trigger a little bit yeah. in Fusion than Super Metroid. I don't know if it was just the, the hardware mechanically. Yeah. No, um, no matter what, the space jump is always difficult for me to learn or re-pick up. It's definitely not riding a bike. Yeah. Or juggling. You, t- you time it a little bit like you just, like, uh, the cape in, in Super Mario World. Yeah. Like that little, you have to be a little bit on your down, downward arc mm-hmm. before you go back up. And, you know, this is, this is one aspect that I do kind of, if, if there is one, you know, thing that is redeemable about the bosses is that, you know, they, they kind of, exhibit some signs of the power that you're going to get from them. So the second form of the spider, it's kind of like somersaulting throughout the air as it goes around and kills you unfairly. Um, so it gives you a, an idea that, Oh, I'm getting, I'm going to get the space jump from him if I'm, if I'm savvy about it. So that's kind of like a neat little touch and, and no way does it make it bearable, but you know, yeah, I didn't notice that before. Yeah. Are there other instances that you can think of of the bosses that where that uh, holds true nightmare? Um, who we'll talk about later, but yeah, he gives yeah. you the gravity suit and he can manipulate gravity. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The, I didn't. I did not notice that. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, so it's I, there. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's um, after after this, you, you're heading towards back to Tro uh, because it has been overgrown with plants. Um, this looks really neat. Like I think, like mm-hmm. the the whole area kind of becomes this, and I I've got a, a mild phobia. <laughs> With, with plants yeah i think i think like a fully grown sunflower is is a pretty creepy <laughs> object um you know just all the little hairs on it and everything um and the, but the boss fight on this is a real like sucker punch yeah like you don't even know that you're going to it the the floor drops under you you're dropped immediately into the boss room and uh immediately you take damage because you just fall into acid like a pool of acid and this is kind of like a uh it kind of looks a little bit like a Chozo statue, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's like a Chozo statue that's been overgrown with uh, a plant material. It's, it's shooting beams at you while kind of pollen um, is in the air. Also hitting you. Knocking you off of platforms. Right. <laughs> and this, this is a pretty, pretty cheap, cheap boss fight. Like it's really, again, mandatory damage. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you would fight this boss and not get hit by that pollen. Yeah, uh, let's go back to my rant about attrition in the earlier boss fights. Yeah, it, yeah just, just rewind back to that point if yep. you want to, and then, <laughs> and then fast forward back to here because yeah. it's it's the same kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. It's like it was almost like it was trying to be a callback to the that boss in uh, in Super Metroid mm-hmm. as the plant creature. But I love that boss fight. Yeah, that's great. That's you know you you go in there. It's really creepy. It's really slow paced. Mm-hmm. But like the whole thing is this kind of weird waltz. Yeah. You know that that boss fight, and that's it's really cool. Like you you still have a limited amount of screen real estate to maneuver around in but it's not so like quick that you can't do it mm-hmm. you know and that that's really fun whereas this is just you know pretty annoying yeah uh, and you know at the end it's really easy to die against like <laughs> exactly sex. it's it's one of it's one of the more egregious examples of it because of the attrition that's necessary you're going to use up all of your health and missiles on this boss um if you decide to use missiles and it's just really easy for it to push you over the edge um, with as poorly balanced as it is. So after you get rid of the overgrown sunflowers that have hair on them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, there we go. No, no it's kind of like me with bees. Um, 
<laughs> if, if only so so if there's a super villain we just given you a theme if you want to team up against us exactly like the pollinator <laughs> a, sun, a sunflower with a bumblebee on it yeah that's all it takes <laughs> that's all it takes <laughs> to ruin us yeah. I, I, I guess we could extend this to anything that involves the outdoors yeah um, <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> So um, you get a little page from your from your automated computer boyfriend uh, who tells you to go to Ark to uh, fight a rampaging machine called Nightmare. Yeah, Night- Nightmare is supposed to be this weird mix of like machine and organic material that's being used as a weapon, mm-hmm. I guess, um, that's being stored here. And uh, this is a really infamous and really frustrating boss as well. Um, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't. Did you like the design on this thing? Did it feel very Metroid to you? Like it's big exaggerated frowny face? No, it felt like it, very It looks like Jack Skellington. Like it has <laughs> it looks like it's its lips are sewed shut. You know? <laughs> a little um, bit. I couldn't figure out exactly what it what it was or what it's supposed to be. I just remember that once you blow its faceplate off, it looks like boogers inside. Yeah. And that, that part was fine. I like <laughs> yeah. that, like, you know, where you're starting to smash all the boogers. Yeah. That, that's fine. <laughs> but this boss is really frustrating. Um, eventually I figured out I had to watch, I watched videos of how to beat him, but again, you you know, you're going to take hits and the the first couple forms are not, not bad, but the, the problem is, you know, so he's kind of neat. He manipulates gravity. It makes your missiles useless, which I really like that. Yeah. You know, the first time I tried to shoot the missiles and they just fell to the ground. That's really (laughs) cool. Um, but he, the second form, he takes up such a big part of the screen and he just kind of tracks you and it's really hard to avoid him. And and his his movement pattern is just it's very difficult to avoid. Eventually, the trick is to kind of get him to to go in circles, in like wide circles, yeah. and that took me a long time to figure out. And uh, you know, I don't know how many times I fought this fucker before eventually beating it. Too many. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks. I hate any kind of boss fight or anything in games where you have to rely on the AI doing what you want it to do. Yeah. Trying to trick it into following you and trick it into because like the I mean what I found to be the the pattern for success in the in the last leg of the fight was you know I would I would get it to follow me around in a circle and then boom I would hop onto the ladder and hope that as it made its you know slow approach to me I would be able to get on level with the weak spot and just you know unload missiles into mm. it until it died um, but the problem was it would always like it would always start its you know approach towards me on a level where my, my missiles couldn't reach so I'd have to start the entire process over again right and why can it why can it just go through the wall like it just kind <laughs> of moves through any it just does what it needs to do it's like intangible yeah. when it needs to be yeah like you could have done something really interesting with this boss being in you know really big and being a contained space and that limiting it somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there for <laughs> neater ways to do this. But like when it just kind of floats through the wall, you know, through the ceiling to smash into you without any notice, like it just feels cheap. Yeah. You know, and that that sucks. So um, you perceive from the the one of the worst boss fights in the game to one of the worst traversal and puzzle areas of the game. Why not? Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember this very well. I've got. I see your notes here, but I. I just. I don't know. Maybe I'm just blind with rage about this next part. <laughs> but talk to us a little bit about our return to Aqua. Yeah. Well, they give you the power up that lets you go through water without being phased. You know, just uh, instead of being slowed down and being all sloshy, you you know can walk at your own speed. But the problem is, the, the, all of those kind of like blind, gropy, 
bomb around until you you know figure out how to proceed you know things that were irritating about the rest of the game they concentrate it and just take it to the just the the the, the platonic ideal the geometric perfection of just the the, the worst of what a metroid mm-hmm. game could be you, you know i just it's, it's irritating you're in these water tunnels you're outside of like the the main research area so you you're, you're kind of out, out in the area they're they're, they're like bunches of places where the where the path kind of branches and you can go and get to a dead end where you don't have the proper you know clearance to go forward mm-hmm. um but you take a lot of damage by the time you get there so it's actually better just to quit and reload so you don't have to fight your way back and deplete all your missiles and stuff like that yeah um, until, and, and, until you get back there it just it just sucks it's it's bad i don't i don't yeah. i don't like it i won't stand for it <laughs> Um, I, and I, for some reason I have very little memory of this, so I don't know oh. if I just kind of lucked out mm-hmm. on my way back, which is totally possible. Yeah. Um, or I blocked it somehow. Yeah. But the, uh, a- after this, you had to, to knock, um, there's a security robot that you fought before that's on a rampage. The idea is, is that you need to go to like an area that's restricted to trigger the security bot. And then that brings him, brings him out. Uh, there's multiple things about the section that don't work. I feel like this is kind of the microcosm of things that are shitty about this game. <laughs> uh, one, finding the area. So I went back and explored everywhere in Knock I had explored. And I was not you know, making my own map or anything where if there's, a, there's just a tiny little part of wall that needs a super bomb to mm-hmm. get through. And I didn't remember that where that was because, of course, I didn't. <laughs> you know, like, so, so I had to go back through every room in Knock. And, and, you know, bomb, super bomb, like every room just to find, you know, this area where that was. Mm-hmm. So that, that was annoying. Like I had explored knock and I was like, what the fuck? Where is this guy? Um, you know, what's wrong? And that was, that was annoying. So then super annoying part one, super annoying mm-hmm. part two is you go and you trigger the alarm and the, the kind of cold computer voice comes through and says, you know, unauthorized and detected, you know, something like that. It's kind of neat. Um, but then you have to know that you have to backtrack because you're going to fight the boss in an, in a, you know, an unassuming room that you'd passed through before. And you have no real way of knowing that's going to be the boss room on your way back or anything that implies that. So again, that's super annoying. Third though, is this boss where if you try to, I feel like if you try to, so it's the security boss. The difference is, is that now he's waiting in electrified water. So you have the, you have to use a super bomb to reveal the handholds on the top. If you want to do that. He has this tiny little hit area, and he shoots missiles at you. Um, tons of things wrong with this boss fight. Uh, having to use the power bomb to like reveal the way to actually beat him, I, I find that kind of annoying because there's really nothing to employ, imply that you should do that. There's never been a boss in the series, I feel like, where you have to do like a navigation trick to reveal the method of destroying the boss. Like, Can you think of anything else like that? No, this is the only example. And the super bomb, like it makes sense that it would be used as a weapon, but never in the entire series is it used as one. Right. It's a, it's so you're not going to try it on accident to hurt the the boss. Okay. Right. Exactly. So that's thing one. Thing two, the missiles he shoots, your missiles don't blow them up. Mm-hmm. So if you're using missiles against him, you have to switch to the beam to blow up his missiles. It's not a big deal to do that, but it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Like it's, you know, your missile just bouncing off of these while your little beam blows them up. Yeah. Like they're nothing. Total, you know, dumb. Third thing, though, the worst thing about it is that if you, if you try to fight him in the spirit, 
you know, that the, I feel like the, the people are, de- you know, the developers intended, it's fucking impossible. <laughs> like if you actually try to walk back and forth on the ceiling, shooting him, the only way that I found to beat him is to just cheese the fuck out of it. Like if you stay on the platform to the left as it, it, it can't really hurt you. And you can kind of do this little half jump. And if you angle it just right, you know, one out of every three times you're going to hit him in his, his weak spot. And it takes for fucking ever. <laughs> and you can't be hurt. It is, it's so not fun. It's so yeah. not fun. It's just like, it, take, it took me, like, it takes me, you know, maybe a half hour to get to, it took me, it takes me about a half hour to get to work on the bus. <laughs> and uh, that was what I was doing for this boss fight. And it took me, like, a trip to work. <laughs> like, it just, it spent the entire time on the bus just, like, That's fuming, just doing this little, like, little half jump, diagonal down to the right shoot. And just hoping I hit his his sweet spot, and you know, like I said, maybe one out of every three times I did, he takes I don't know thirty hits <laughs> to to hit, and every time between them, you have to set, stand back and shoot the missiles he shoots at you. <laughs> it is a terribly designed boss fight. It teaches you nothing. It's not testing any mechanic. It's not doing anything. It is one of my least favorite boss fights in the history of video games. <laughs> I'm just it letting you awful. go at this point. <laughs> it's it's fucking awful. It man. is. It's no, awful. you're right. It's it's terrible. The only way I beat it, I looked up in a fact and found and found the way to exploit it. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how else you would do it. I have no idea like how if, to do this in the spirit that would be fun. Like you know, all all that I can think of, and maybe it's in the spirit. I don't know. It still feels like an exploit. You 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 you, you monkey bar as far left as you can go, and you shoot you shoot out out of the air all of the uh, all of the missiles that, that that fires at you, and then it charges at you. And when it hits the side of the pool, it like boom, like 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 falls back. So it's like mm-hmm. that you know that 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 wonderful old chestnut of game boss design: lure the yeah. charging mm-hmm. enemy into a wall and then hit mm-hmm. it while it's day. And mm-hmm. then you can kind of like monkey bar over and then shoot diagonally down at it and you get like three three shots in. Right. But there's right. And, there's and, no indication that like that's what it's doing or that's what you should do. Right. And even even when I did that, when I tried to, to get up there, I would still get hit, partly because of the fiddly diagonal aiming while hanging from the ceiling and yeah. using missiles controls. You know, so it just I don't know. Like the the this seemed to be a lot of what's wrong with this game, like between the navigation, like, you know, it not being fun to try to find the way to go. It just being some little tiny, you know, hidden area I found, you know, an hour and a half ago that that had a, a super bomb icon on it. And and this boss fight it just man. Yeah. Ooh. No, it's bad. It's real bad. I, I agree, Carrie. I yeah, I just piss me off, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like this boss, piss, it ended up pissing me off more than Nightmare. Like once Nightmare, you know, it was tough mm-hmm. and and unfair but at least like the when i figured it out it wasn't boring mm-hmm. you know i don't know and yeah. and this is this is near the end of my journey with this game <laughs> like and part of it is undoubtedly because of like how all of its goodwill that it burned yeah through this part like i would have given the next boss more tries if i was feeling yeah. more gracious if it didn't just utterly abuse your patience no no i yeah. understand but like and and the sad thing is as you're fuming from like okay fucking finally as as you as you finally get this, you, you you go to like one of the more interesting narrative parts of the game, which is you 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 because you're getting unauthorized upgrades from these from these enemies, you find your way into the secret lab that the Federation was running, where it was harnessing the power of Metroids and um, space pirates all along, which is which is awesome. Yeah, you know I I agree, and it's cool. There's a part I think it's right after here 
where you open up a security door and like when you talk to your commander, the first thing it says is like, you weren't authorized to do that. <laughs> it's a nice little like hell moment, yeah. you know, and, and I like that just fine. And I'm interested in the plot of this game. I like that they're harnessing Metroids. Mm-hmm. No problem with that. It just, the, the game part of it is now become insurmountable <laughs> to me. Yeah. Untenable. Um, see, and, and this is, so again, not to just make, you know, rant through the whole middle of this. This is where I stopped playing it is fighting uh, Ridley. Yeah. Because you run into, so you have a save point. You have a large stretch of the game where you have these gold space pirates. Mm-hmm. They can only be hit in the back. And each time they and they're they're tough. Like they shoot beams and they do these low kind of horizontal jumps that are hard to avoid. Mm-hmm. And you you have to let them jump over you so you can hit them in the back. Um, and these these are very difficult. And they take a lot of damage from you. Right after them is a is not a recharge station before Ridley, but a save point. So I saved there, and then you know, but with very I, you know my health was was very low at this point. And that was really it. Like that was all I could do because I couldn't go back past the the invulnerable space pirates mm-hmm. to to grind for health. And thus led me to Ridley, which I just you know I I could. It wasn't that his pattern was too unfair or anything like that. I just did not have enough enough power to to beat him. You were spiritually dead by that point. Um, totally spiritually dead. <laughs> so you got back from the guardhouse and you used your you used your last uh, typewriter ribbon to save right when you had no shotgun ammo when exactly. the hunter when the, when the hunters <laughs> were released on the mansion to replace all the zombies. Exactly. Exactly. That's okay. Exactly. Cool. I just, I just want to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So I could not be Ridley. So everything else I know about the rest, end of this game comes from Let's Play. Okay. So I'll like, we'll take the lead. Yeah. So Ridley is not that bad. Um, you know, if you have the health to, to fight him, um, or her, I never, I, I don't know what gender that is. Maybe, maybe at the end it pulls off his skull and it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> long flowing locks. I don't know. <laughs> but. Um, it was fine. You just have to know not to use missiles on it. Use your beam. It'll hit multiple times. Um, but, uh, you get into the final, you know, leg of the leg of the game where you find out that Adam is actually, you know, your old commanding officer having uploaded his consciousness to the network. Um, and exactly kind of, kind of strange, not, not really alluded to that that technology exists, but oh, well. Um, <laughs> and Samus's initial plan is to kind of go out dying, trying to fight and kill all the X on the space station. But Adam says, no, no, that's dumb because the X are on the planet. The X are on the, are, are on the space station. You'll just die in vain because their main predator, you will be dead. So mm-hmm. what you need to do is you need to go to the main deck and activate the uh, the thrusters and the self destruct sequence, and send this space station careening into SR three eighty eight, and eliminate everything in one mm-hmm. fell swoop, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> right, right. You're gonna crash crash the level into into a planet yes. and blow it up, which is pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, um, and this is cool. I mean, I'm I'm kind of I kind of regret that you that you didn't get to this point because it does kind of redeem itself to a certain extent because narratively it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, gameplay wise, it's, it's not as terrible mostly because you're going through an area that you were in before. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to have like a a case of, you know, retro blue balls for like forever (laughs) because like, I would have liked to have fought SAX. Yeah. That's, that's cool to me. Like, I think Uh that would have been, you know, I agree. Yeah. 
I would like to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's cool, you know. It's you, you're you're fighting SAX outside of the control room, and you know you both have very similar abilities, so you have to figure out what to watch for from her. You know, trick the pattern and, and, and everything like that, and counter the counter the ice beam. You know, just uh, glean, glean the cube, hack the Gibson, all of that good stuff. Um, and it's a good fight. And it's definitely the final boss fight of the game. The climax, you know, this thing that you've been, you know, running from the, for, for throughout the course of the entire narrative. The hunter is now the hunted, et cetera, et cetera. It's right. good. It's, it, it's, it's fantastic. The second phase of the boss fight, I don't really know. I, I, don't, I don't like it because it mutates into this weird, you know, kind of proto-Neanderthal gigantic mo- space monster, Samus. Yeah, it just kind of jumps around. Yeah, yeah, and and it's really easy apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't like it. I died to it once, and I had to go back and fight the fight the SAX again. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. I kind of just like wish it would just you know go straight from being SAX to the to the core X. But oh well, it turns into um, you know Tetsuo. <laughs> like it, it does one of those things. Yeah, you know, it becomes a giant tumor, big space tumor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, th- you have three minutes to escape the to escape the space station, you know, ha- have fun running back to your ship. Um, when you get back to your ship, the you know, it's, it's gone and you think, oh, no, I'm boned. You see the planet in the background. Uh, it's every every everything is crazy. And there's an Omega Metroid from Metroid 2 and yeah. it swipes you and you're down to one health. And here comes to save the day. One of the SAX who uh, blows off some of the armor on the Omega Metroid and makes it vulnerable to you. And the Omega Metroid destroys it, but you absorb SAX and you regain the classic uh, Samus suit and your Ice Beam and all of those abilities. And you unmetroid yourself and get all of your abilities back. And you commence to fight the uh, the Omega Metroid in an incredibly easy but uh, suitably, um, I hate the word epic, but it feels appropriate, so I'll use it. Um, let's just say a fuck yeah moment. Um, so why is there... I mean, maybe I just missed something since I was, you know, watching Banana Fan 34, like, <laughs> play through it instead of myself. Why did the SAX help you? Why did it kill this Metroid? Um, all that I can think of is because of the, you know, deep enmity between, you know, X and the Metroids. Like, okay, here is um, it, a fully it evolved more Metroid. more than it hates. Yeah, more yeah, than it hates. It hates Metroids hates more than it hates you. Hates you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, the design on the Omega Metroid is shit. Yeah, not like that, that, great. that thing does not look cool. Like I, I was kind of disappointed in how few Metroids there were in this game because mm-hmm. I think Metroids look awesome. Yeah. Like I love the design of that creature, mm-hmm. um, and and this thing just looked like a big dumb monster. Yep, to me, it makes a hilarious. Its yell is hilarious too. <laughs> on the video, it has a really funny yell that you should cut in at some point. I don't uh, know. Uh, well, when, but we, it's when we go to the good. deliberation chamber, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> um, but you fly away on the ship because it, you know, somehow piloted itself to come back and get you. Well, it didn't um, pilot itself. Oh, that's that's the the uh, dumb plot point is that <laughs> yeah. you, 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 everything's wrapped up. You're like, oh, my commander has been absorbed into an AI. You know, I'm going to be a fugitive on the run. I just have one nagging question: <laughs> Who piloted my ship back? And 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 it was actually the commander told those little animal friends <laughs> to do it. And then it shows them sleeping, which is adorable. Yeah. And uh, but you know, I wasn't wondering that that much. I mean, they could have just said the computer did it. Yeah, I would have been fine. Um, it could have been there. It didn't need to be gone. Nope. Like why? Why couldn't it? it just could have been behind the Omega Metroid? It wasn't that cool <laughs> to have it. You know, have all that stuff happen. Yeah. And then, and then there's, then there's that's Metroid Fusion. That's it. So, do we want to talk about uh, generals? Yeah, we can just kind of go through these. I feel like we probably touched on a lot of them. Yeah. Um, 
love the survival horror. And it's not a secret in this game, uh, in this podcast, really, that we're both kind of fans of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's a good aspect. Uh, it gets a lot of goodwill from SAX and uh, the multiple appearances there. Yeah, uh, those are those are definitely my favorite favorite parts of the game, along with that cool, um, the way that the areas changed throughout. That was really creative, and it did kind of spice up uh, going back to areas you've already been to. This next opinion that I'm going to put out is probably going to be controversial, um, but I really feel like the linearity worked. Um, it, it is not, not as a Metroid game, but as a game in general, it, it, it worked. Um, especially, you know, at this time in, you know, the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy Advance and the DS after it have really become kind of known for where this genre has, has thrived in the past, you know, decade. Um, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that that was going to work when, when this came out, like giving you free reign to go wherever you want to, mm-hmm. they, you know, and they, they could be called, okay, you're, 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 you're timid. <laughs> you know, you, you should have just gone whole hog and made it actually something that was faithful to what made Metroid work in the past. But you know, I, I, I like in a portable game when it when it when it makes itself digestible. You know, anything that breaks things up into chapters or missions or something that will you know that yeah. uh, that, that that I could enjoy in the in the in the course of a good long dump. <laughs> right. Not, not to be right. gross or a bus ride or something like that. Right. You, you know, or both I, at the same time. Hey, why, why, why not? Why not? That's how you get people not to sit next to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's yeah. a rookie mistake. Not taking yeah. a dump on the seat next to you. <laughs> no, but, but, but I like it and it's, it, it could have been done better. Um, it, it, it definitely could have, you know, and it, one of the things that I'm learning in, 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 in my, career in, in my profession, you know, kind of managing others is the, 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 the way to get people to do what you want them to do is to make them think it's their idea. Hmm. Um, and this game really could have gone, uh, a long way towards making you feel like the, 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 the rails that you were on were self ascribed as opposed to telling you we're locking the doors and you have to find a way to unlock the doors to, pro- to progress, you know? Right. And that, that's a, that's a fair point. Like, I think that, um, and the way that they kind of, so the other kind of portable uh, Metroidvania games I played, like the Castlevania ones, mm-hmm. I definitely had problems with those where if you, you, you know, they have frequent enough save points to where I'm not so worried about the 20 minute bursts, but because it's not mission based, if you walk away from it for a little while, you don't know where the fuck you're supposed to be going mm-hmm. or what you're supposed to be doing. And this does kind of ameliorate that. I would agree with that. It still is not, I don't know, like I, I, I do wish they had hit it a little bit more. And just it doesn't. I don't. I don't know. It's it's kind of. I agree with you, but it still was really unsatisfying to me. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's probably as a mixed thing, like you're saying. Yeah. But I would have preferred it to be, you know, a little bit more traditional in a Metroid way, and had it, you know, maybe had more frequent save points or had a, a quick save function or something, mm-hmm. so I could put it down after the bus. Yeah. And and I would have taken that trade off. But I don't. Th- I don't think you're wrong. I think that yeah. the the portability is kind of what informed that design choice, mm-hmm. and that and that can be very you know linearity in in video games isn't something I always hate or anything like that. Like I like chunks. I like missions. Mm-hmm. In the kind of the conversation we were on the something awful boards, which we'll go into when we talk about the audience participation part of the show, um, we had brought up uh, the Mario games and how those used to be more open world and it become more mission based. And this is not a, a popular opinion, but I really like that. Like, I really like the self-contained nature of modern Mario games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that can appeal to me, but not really in this type of game. 
you know, I, I, I don't think you're wrong, but I still think that it doesn't work. Yeah. There's a point where the entire world is open to you. But the problem is there's nothing interesting to do except go and collect um, any power-ups that you may have missed, which is not fun um, unless right. in, unless you're 15 and have unlimited time. Um, right. you know, so the, it, it kind of takes away some of the oomph. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing that I kind of, you know, made, made, a, made a note of, and maybe you have more, I think the game looks really good. Um, with, with, yeah. with, 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 with a lot of like design exceptions, you, you know, like the, the Omega Metroid at the end, um, uh, Nightmare, um, any of those. I, 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 I like the way that Super Metroid in this game look that it has the right amount of definition, the pixels and sprites are the right size, uh, has just the right amount of color. In fact, I like that this game has like really varied, um, environments mm -hmm. and it, and it shows off a nice color palette that was probably wasted on the non backlit screen that it was designed on. But right, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and it's, it wasn't something that I, I sat down and noticed so much, but that's almost a compliment too. Mm -hmm. where I didn't sit down and be like, Oh, this is, this is terrible. I was like, Oh, this just looks like a 16 bit Metroid game. You know, I'm, I'll just dive right in. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the, and the environment thing is a really good point too. Like it, you do go to a lot of cool and interesting looking areas and they do, you know, they do change. And it saddens me that my list of positives is, is, is uh, much uh, smaller than my list of negatives, which usually the, the ratio is skewed in the other direction. <laughs> right. This is, this is, this is the game I like, I've liked least yes. that we've played um, by, by quite a bit, actually. Like I, you know, it's, it's the first maybe two hours I played it. I was definitely having fun. Um, and, and really enjoyed it. But there's just so these, these kind of things we're going to talk about, we have talked about, just stacked up and conspired to to really just, you know, infuriate me, like raise raise my blood pressure. I think that you talked about in like on Facebook screaming into a pillow at some point. That's that's not, I don't know, that's not good design to me. Like I shouldn't feel frustrated. I should feel like it's my fault or there are things I, I should be doing differently. And that's just a classic, you know, trope of, of difficulty in video games, you know. Yeah, make it make you feel like it's something you did wrong, not something Ooh. they did wrong. Right. Yeah, I did scream into a pillow, and I think it's the uh, <laughs> one of the only times I've screamed into a pillow since my adolescence. <laughs> yeah, this, this game turns us back into angry fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> when, when you play it in bed, there's no other recourse. You know, most times I just yell into my fist at random times throughout <laughs> the day when it all becomes too much. <laughs> but uh, um, didn't care for the Mega Manning. Yeah. Um, at all, and you know, Mega Manning, it, it, it just you you get the abilities of the shit you kill. That's it, right? <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make you know it it sort of you know it makes a kind of sense in in the the game, but one of the design things that comes along with this is a lot more boss fights, and Metroid games aren't known for their boss fights up until this game, really. You know, so I guess I'm just saying the first three aren't, but um, you know, they're all really memorable and neat. You know, like in, in Super Metroid, I can only think of like three or four bosses and they're all cool. Um, in this one, though, there are 13 or 14 bosses and it's really super frustrating. And you've got this as a note here, too. But when you get a power up that's just about unlocking an area or that's, you know, not a fun power up, it gets really frustrating. Like when I finally beat Nightmare and just got that the gravity suit, you know what? I felt like I should have gotten something more empowering for that frustrating of a experience. One thing that I loved about Super Metroid was the way that you know, you got power-ups after traversing a pretty, you know, particularly difficult area. And then after you get that power-up, it makes it really easy to go back through it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's typical, you know, power gating, you know, sort of stuff, stuff like that. Right. But this game made the power-ups more about combat than the, the navigation. And, you know, just like Zelda, you know, they, they've, they've 
the the series has kind of you know thrived when it made both kind of feel like the same thing. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like the hook shot being something that has utility and allows you to unlock, <laughs> you know, different areas. Yeah. Or that, um, the, in super Metroid, the, uh, the little grapple beam. Oh God. I miss the grapple beam so much. Yeah. That, that's saying that thing's really <laughs> fun. You use it in that really cool, creative way to beat that one boss. Again, really memorable puzzle boss mm-hmm. in that game. Um, you know, pretty much at many moments during this, I wish I was playing super Metroid. <laughs> um, we've already talked about the core X's. That's a, just a perplexing decision on on their their part i don't understand what the the point of that was but it was yeah. never fun and sometimes frustrating yeah and, and they they didn't need to pad the game any, they, they didn't it's a short game but they didn't need to pad it it's it's so weird the relationship that i have with the length of this game i expected to beat it in two days you know just yeah. okay I'm, I'll, I'll beat it in two sittings and it'll be fine but this ended up being a week-long ordeal and yeah. to see the play clock only register you know, three hours and 36 minutes at the end of it really, really kind of burns me. Yeah, <laughs> in a it way feels that like I, a lot more than that. I can't justify how angry that it makes me. And, you know, we kind of already mentioned this next one. I, I don't like the security levels. It, it feels a little bit like uh, like Doom. Find red key to open red door. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that is that makes no sense. Whereas before the, um, you know, in every other Metroid game and, and one of the uh, the posters on something awful point this out, too. But, you know, the red doors, those are opened by super missiles. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a it's a legacy thing or the yellow or the you know, or whatever the colors are associated with. Yellow doors are opened up with power bombs. And and that makes more sense. Like, you you know, this this force field is this strong. Once you have this item, you can get through it. You don't have this kind of just arbitrary gatekeeper, you know, just kind of opening and, and you know, gates and closing them yeah. as, as the plot mm-hmm. dictates. So just it's just less less interesting, you know, less interesting makes a little bit less sense. It cuts down on the on your ability to explore if you if you want to. Even though I feel like the design of this game kind of discourages it. Yeah, it's, it discourages it by making you have to tap on every single block to find out if it's false or not. Yeah, yeah, which you, which you do have to do in in Super Metroid. Yeah, that's like I mean a lot fair. of, but you also you get that X ray power mm-hmm. up in Super Metroid, which is huge. Yeah, like that's really you know really handy. Um, so that's really cool. And also in Super Metroid, like I felt like there was more reward to doing it. Like when you when you were doing that in Super Metroid, you were doing it to find cool stuff, cool hidden stuff. In this game, you often have to do it just to find where to go next. I, I don't know. In Super Metroid, it felt like whenever whenever you found that secret and whenever you saw a new area, just seeing and just navigating that new area felt like a treat. Right. It was that little dopamine squirt that made you think, oh, my gosh, there's this infinite world of possibilities that's potentially behind every single block. And all I need to do is find it. Right. And I can feel that way again. And in this one, it just, I don't know. Whenever I, whenever I found a new area or, or whenever I found a new thing, either A, it was such a chore to get there, or right. B, all that I thought to myself was, well, now I have to bomb every block in this in this area. Right, or just use use a super bomb, well, which, yeah. you know, I just have. As, and sometimes that wouldn't even show. There are some mm-hmm. some walls where it's just uh, trans, you know, you just can move through it. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, intangible. Yeah. So there's no indication. So that like that, how is that? You know, not only do you have to super bomb every wall, but you have to just kind of press up against every wall yeah. to get through it. How is that a good idea? It's not. I, it's like yeah, I know. I just man, just who who was not around to explain this to these people? <laughs> um, this is a, a minor complaint in in the the pantheon of complaints about this game. But I thought the music in this game was really unsatisfying. Like I really like Metroid music. Um, starting from you know the first you know the Nintendo one I think has one of my favorite Nintendo like old Nintendo soundtracks, 
it's a little bleep boopy, you know, yeah. at this point, but I think it's really good. And Super it's, Metroid has an amazing soundtrack. Like Super Metroid is amazing. The the soundtrack there is amazing because it's mostly a melodic. Right. Right. And when the melodies do do come in, it's it's really, really cool. Yeah. You know, it, do, it doesn't often happen. But when these themes kind of come in, it's really, you know, satisfying. Every area has a really memorable kind of sound palette in that game that matches uh where you're at. Like the um Meridia, when you're in Meridia and Super Metroid, everything has this kind of reverb yeah. and is is really slow. You know, the music sounds underwater. <laughs> so you associate it kind of presents this whole, you know, unified vision in a way that this game really didn't seem to do or yeah. play with. And in Super Metroid, it really felt like this could either be A, the, 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 the music that is playing here as its theme or its leitmotif, or this could just be kind of the sounds that are, you know, ambient to this kind of terrain. Right. And this didn't have that. It just yeah, kind of had that. really generic, you know, this is video game music. Right. That, that, I mean, was, yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. It's just kind of serious video game music. And, and part of that could have been limitations of the, you know, Game Boy Advance does not have the best sound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they just couldn't play with it quite as much. Um, but regardless of which, it wasn't fun to listen to. One of the things I actually, and this, I'll put this in the positive and I didn't uh, think about it. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like the sound design a lot without liking the music very much. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about when you're hiding from the, the SAX, um, you know, the, the footsteps and heartbeat noise, you know, when that <laughs> happens is really cool. Um, when you fight Ridley, um, it screams yeah. all the time and it's louder than anything else in the game, <laughs> which like I've seen people complain about that online. I actually really like it yeah. because it has this kind of, uh, you know, multi-central shock, <laughs> you know, to it when you're fighting him to get this just really, really loud scream in your ears. Mm-hmm. It goes over the music. I really like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So the, the sound design is actually pretty neat and all the sound effects sound good. Yeah. You know, all the, all the monster screams and stuff like that, except for the, the Omega Metroid, but sound ridiculous. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the music, no good. No good. It's, it's a weird, you know, and we'll come into this because of the, uh, so as far as responses kind of segueing into that, um, this is definitely really divisive there. And I feel like we've done a lot of games that are uh, flawed, you know, interesting, but flawed. Mm-hmm. And those are some of my, you know, the games I didn't want, you know, when we, when we came up with the idea for this podcast, I didn't want to focus on that, but I did have several of those in mind that I wanted to do because I think they warrant discussion. You know, like if we were to do a, an episode on Super Mario World, it would be hard you know, to talk <laughs> about because there's no, I don't think there's any room for you know, discussion there or anything like it's just, it's really great. We turn into Chris Farley. Yeah, exactly. Remember that that one time when you had to hit the switch in the ghost house and you got the, (laughs) the the exit. It was great. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, I mean, that's what it would, it would be. Um, so, so I really like these games that have, you know, flaws and, and we've done a lot of those. Like we, you know, call of Cthulhu definitely has its flaws. Bloodlines has an unplayable last, you know, quarter or you know, end boss area. Lots of games like that. The interesting thing about this one is that this one's also flawed, but not everyone agrees on what those flaws are. <laughs> you know, like you you either you either like the the linearity or you hate the linearity. You either think that it's too hard or you think that it's awesome that it's actually challenging. And we ran into a lot of this in kind of our, you know, the on the message board on Facebook kind of discussion about this game. So if you would like to uh, join into the discussion, you can write us an email to watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv or, or you can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact. You can call us 
at um, 419-834-WOFF, which is a great way to get into us. Um, There might be a couple of voicemails that are coming in after we record this. So if they do uh, come in, you will hear them later. If not, you are not hearing this because I cut it out. (laughs) But those will not be considered for the the grand prize Um, just because of deadlines. Uh, However, um, a lot of the discussion on this actually came from the Something Awful forums, the thread in uh, Rapidly Going Deaf, which is the podcast and uh, stand-up comedy uh, sub forum. Uh, the thread is, you know, just a gaming podcast mega thread. And yep. uh, one of our main blocks of support comes from there. We had some very vocal supporters on Team Cole and Team Gary because uh, initially <laughs> I was very positive on this game. <laughs> yes, and then and, and I'm negative, and 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 my my champion, my my gladiator in this, in the, my dog in this in this race, uh, is is a fellow named Jet Set Lemming. Uh, Jet Set has commented before. Um, he's awesome and. I'm always interested to, to read what he has to say about these games and uh, about this one. And we've kind of edited these. This was a long discussion. If you're a member of the boards, go check it out. And, and you, if you're listening to this and you are, you probably already have. But there's definitely really cool, you know, a lot of really interesting points being raised. Um, so kind of the distillation of Jet Set's position is, is, is thus. He says, I was really annoyed with how they use the linearity as an excuse to design really obtuse shit in some areas that you absolutely needed to figure out in order to progress. There are multiple areas where you need to blast a small section of wall with just the right item to break it, leading me to endlessly bouncing around in ball mode and dropping bombs with which to uncover tiles whenever I got stuck. And late in the game, you had to fight golden space pirates out of nowhere, and in order to beat them, you had to flip over them and shoot a missile in their back. There's no weak spot on their back or anything like that, and in previous Metroid games, you just had to use missiles or charge attacks or spin attacks on the Space Pirates. So this was completely unintuitive to me, and I actually had to go look it up in a guide. Overall, though, uh, both games are still fairly good. Uh, I can't exactly recall what he's talking about by both games. Neither there, can but I. In, in, the, in the context, he's talking about another game that's also good. So fill in your favorite game, and Jet Set <laughs> Living thinks it's good. Um, they certainly hold up better than the GBA Castlevanians from the same period. Uh, Castlevania. Oh, he's talking about uh, Zero Mission. Yes, he is. Um, yep. Uh, from the same period, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance is just terrible. Um, agreed. Yeah, uh, agreed. Those are those are all things that that I agree with, and that is why you are my champion, Jet Set. Uh, my choose you, Jet Set Lemming. Um, <laughs> and if Jet Set Lemming is the Winston Churchill um, in favor of obliterating the, the Metroid fusion threat before it reaches our shores, Mogambo is my is my champion, Mogaba from the mm-hmm. Something Awful Forums. He is uh, Neville Chamberlain, thinking we should find a way to negotiate and appease with the Metroid fusions of the world. <laughs> he says, I don't think it's the best Metroid game, but I think fusion is criminally underrated. There is stuff that is just inexcusable, i.e. locking of doors behind you when you enter an area, or the fact that you have to kill an X-Core after every boss. But on the whole, I love this game. It was never. It, I was never really bothered by the mission-based structure or the story bits that everyone seems to hate. My favorite part is how the terrain changes as you play it. You'll revisit an old area you've been to before, but everything will be wrecked up or overgrown with plants or something. I wish more games would do stuff like this. It makes the world feel more alive and engaging, like everything is falling apart, but you're somehow overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Which, Which is an excellent point. A salient point. Great. I, li- yeah. I like that. Yeah. And he, and he points out the X cores, which is what, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, he's tempered about it. And then there's the wild card. yeah and his and his name or her name is hng kong and uh he or she has to say this um i really wanted to love this game 
Super Metroid is my favorite game on the Super Nintendo, and I have played the hell out of it. My memories of Fusion are not as kind. Others have talked about how horribly linear this game is. What I find the worst about it is that they put an intentional sequence break in the game and had Adam comment on it. (laughs) It's like they knew that Metroid fans like to explore and find different ways to get from A to B, but didn't understand the actual enjoyment behind it. (laughs) SAX is an interesting foe the first playthrough, and the one sequence where it is going berserk in the secret research area is pretty hilarious. But knowing that it wasn't actually after you other than a couple of scripted sequences made it feel pointless. Kind of like the raw shocks in Silent Hill Shattered Memories, once you realize that they only show up at certain points. Uh, the, the thing he's referencing in that second paragraph is that there is a real famous um, sequence break that's very difficult to get to <laughs> in this game. And uh, we'll, we'll throw a YouTube of it up in the, the show notes. Yeah. And uh, if you manage to do it, the game kind of comments on it and, and pokes, you know, doesn't poke fun at you, but kind of draws a line under it. And uh, that's a good, that's a good point that they kind of they're acknowledging it, but don't understand that it's it's a, a perk, not a not a quirk. On know? the other hand, why would you ever say anything negative about Silent Hill Shattered Memories? I don't I don't know that game enough to know whether you're being facetious. I don't, <laughs> no, I, I have no context. <laughs> I, I, I really like that game. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I know I know you're a fan I, of the series, but I, I didn't know I don't know specifically about Shadow no, Memories. There's no such thing as a bad Silent Hill game, Gary. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the iOS version might have a, have a word for you there. Mm, no, you're, right. you're wrong. But right. no, okay, I've never played it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, some of the some of the oomph is taken away from you, you know SAX on subsequent playthroughs. Like after you figure out that you, that you're in no danger, yeah, when mm-hmm. the when the safe when the net below the roller coaster is apparent to you, you, you it becomes right. a little bit less you know frightening. <laughs> I mean, it gives me a question though. Like, okay. unless you're doing a retro games podcast, why are you replaying this game? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, no, no offense or anything. I, I know that it has its fans, but like. I, that problem will never happen with me. Like I'm never going to touch this thing oh, ever man. again. Like I just, I don't know. There's, sorry to, to fans of it, but man, yeah, I, you know. And I appreciate the people who replayed it to play along with the show. Yeah, I don't want to sound, you know, sound mean about that, but goo. You're just, you're just a rube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yes. No. And 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 finally, just because I want to throw in somebody from the Facebook group to show to show some love, James on the face group. Uh, Facebook group says, I think it's the most accessible Metroid. I couldn't get the hang of the SNES or cube versions, but played this one to death. I think it must be the fusioning that helps. I think that last line is really funny. I I don't know. (laughs) It's it's kind of, I like the thing I like about Metroid fusion is the fusioning. Um, Just how I would deliver that line. I don't know. It's like super Metroid is just a little bit too super for me. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that, you know, there is a lot of, uh, so if you, you know, the uh, Facebook discussion, there was uh, some additional discussion about the game, but kind of what happened with this one is everything kind of became an argument (laughs) as opposed to just like a, a comment. So a lot of people had some other things to say that we, we did, not actually use um, just because it was uh, you know more of a dialogue yeah and we didn't have a way to incorporate it but that does not mean we don't appreciate it yeah and if you want to see it you can go to facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs and participate yeah. in the discussion and you can be our 60th fan oh yeah we've been close, hovering at 59 we? for a while so yeah. why, don't, why not be the lucky 60 <laughs> lucky number so, 60 <laughs> so i think uh the the our co is commanding us to go to dlib <laughs> The, uh, the seventh <laughs> section of the the podcast DLB D- DLB uh, lady go go to DLB lady and uh, so so us ladies are going to go to DLB and uh, 
figure out. Oh who, no! Here comes Omega Metroid. Hey, I'm Jala, and here's what I think about Metroid Fusion. It's a superbly story-driven installment of the series, picking up where Super Metroid leaves off. The point of view is a first-person narrative from Samus, which makes this game incredibly engaging, even though the story is not groundbreaking or revolutionary in scope. The game manages to feel edgy the entire way through between the pacing and the fantastic music. There is never a moment when you are free of that edgy feeling or the feeling of impending crisis. The controls are responsive and the graphics are colorful, varied, and updated. Regrettably, you can't skip the story sequences, which lowers replay value. Additionally, some of the bosses are incredibly challenging to the point of being a turnoff for some players. However, all in all, this is entirely accessible for new and old players alike, and is a must for any Metroid fan. So, so we have acquired the decision beam. <laughs> Um, after destroying the SAX in uh, Dilib to to make this take this stupid metaphor, that, that, that <laughs> was like, that was really tough. They didn't, they 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 acquired my, uh, uh, my 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 key my key personality factors, which are unwarranted anxiety and sloth. Yeah, um, self loathing. <laughs> they have they have my self loathing and laziness. Oh no, <laughs> like those bastards. Yeah. Um, but uh, we we have decided to give it to to Hong Kong or HNG Kong. Um, Mostly because, uh, like, kind of two things I really like is is one is I like that he picks up on the lack of kind of understanding. I feel like is is true to the developers where they they draw a line under this like sequence breaking thing, but don't understand that we want that. You know that it's fun. <laughs> that's a really good point, and I think that that's pretty insightful. And the other thing is the just this kind of uh, taking what is the best loved part of this game, which is those SAX encounters, and uh, you know, kind of uh, taking the the piss out of it and and pointing out kind of what's wrong with that. But um, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's worth a pint on us. Um, you know, that that's just you know, it's it's even even the greatest things about this game are are kind of shaded yeah. as well. He also has not won a prize before, and we want to to encourage encourage that where both yeah. jet set and magambo have both uh, been recipients of the watch out for fireballs free game award yeah prize so congratulations yeah, right. in, a, in a perfect world <laughs> we would be uh buying hong kong a copy of ducktales yeah. on the virtual console <laughs> since that is the game we're doing next yeah um because there's no god that game is not available on the virtual <laughs> console. Um, so, so instead, uh, get in touch with us, Hong Kong. We are going to gift you a game on Steam or the virtual console or an iOS game or any moderately priced game that you're interested in. Um, I would recommend, uh, there's a couple of them we're doing upcoming. If you were interested in playing along, we'd be happy to, uh, to hook you up with that. And uh, do you want to give us the rundown? Cool. We, yeah. We've actually we figured out our schedule is the other thing we're trying to say. So um, for the next episode, we're going to be doing DuckTales, as Gary said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That one's uh, you're going to have to uh, acquire that through um, um, Google. Through, through Google. Yep. Google yeah. DuckTales. You're going to get it. Um, yep. <laughs> and unless unless you literally have a big vault of coins to swim in in which to buy the original game. Um, it's going to be very difficult to get a hold of, but it is definitely worth playing. I have already beaten it. Uh, spoiler, and it's good. <laughs> super, super, super great game. Yeah. Um, after that, we are doing um, Abe's Odyssey, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, and uh, that is uh, available on the PlayStation Network, I believe, for six dollars. Actually, it's, it's it is ten dollars. It, oh, it is $10. a cool uh, Hamilton to uh, to yeah. purchase that game. <laughs> um, it's also available on Steam. 
and, and maybe on good old games as well. It's easy to get a hold of this game in some way, shape, or form. It's been well-preserved. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, Out of This World. It's kind of like a new version of Out of This World, and that kind of like your Prince of Persia platformer, like yeah. we're a non-action-based puzzle platformer mm-hmm. kind of thing. One um, of my favorite genres in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then after that, speaking of favorite things in the entire world, uh, we're going to be doing Silent Hill 2. That's going to mm-hmm. fall in mid-March, so if you, lo- if you are, like me, going to be picking up the, uh, the, the Silent Hill HD collection, uh, you'll be able to play along with that in uh, glorious, full, high-definition widescreen, which is nice. Yep, and that's, I'm looking forward to playing that again. I've mentioned it a couple times, but I've never played that game, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, breaking my Silent Hill cherry <laughs> to, to uh, be vulgar. <laughs> to, be, to, to be as crass as possible. So it's after after that, um, this is the when we were originally asking for the portable game. This is the set of weeks I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> so we want to do something else uh, portable. Um, we are going to do Legacy of Cain uh, Blood Omen or Blood Omen Legacy of Cain, which is available on the PlayStation Network. It is also probably ten dollars. Um, people on Facebook wanted us to do Soul Reaver instead. I just kind of remember this one being more interesting, so. Maybe someday we'll do Soul Reaver, but this is the the first in the series. It's it doesn't play like the rest of the series, and I remember it being a really interesting game where, uh, for one thing, you unequivocally play a villain. Yep. So that is pretty neat. And it has voice work from Anna Gunn, who is famous for Breaking Bad now. Yeah, and uh, Deadwood. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we are finally getting around to doing uh, Torment, and we have made the decision we are doing Torment in a two parter. I'm going to leave it to you to figure out what the breaking point should be. Yes, I will. I will be able to do that. Um, Torment is a very long game. Um, so if you are interested in playing Torment, uh, which I know some of you have already started playing along, but I would recommend that. Um, it is available for $10 on Good Old Games. It is fantastic. I restarted it. I'm about two hours into it and remembering everything I love about this game. So there's a, there's a, there's a very rich experience. Yeah. So it's going to take two episodes to do, and that will take up April. Yeah. And that we have the whole first third of the year done. Um, If you Mm -hmm. would like to suggest games that we can do after that, um, you can follow the contact instructions that we give in the last part of the show here. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of all, you know, watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv. Great way to do it. Duckfeed.tv slash contact the voicemail 419-834-WFF. And that is a good way to recommend stuff as well. Facebook group, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. All of this is pretty, pretty apparent. And you can find the information at duckfeed.tv. But we want to hear from you. We really do like to hear from you. And uh, we are heartened at the recent amount of activity that we've had around the show. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been really, really fun. And I hope that people who are, are participating in it are, are having fun. I mean, obviously, with anything like this, there's there's an element of you know ego gratification. Like, I don't, it's not the main focus, but it is just really nice. But even more than that, like, everybody, you know, the people who listen to the show so far seem to be, like, you know, pretty smart. And I, I like hearing what they have to say. And I've enjoyed talking to everybody and kind of having these little debates about <laughs> this game. Um, if you are interested in helping out the show and gratifying our egos further, um, the, the best way to do that, I would say, is probably to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we've had a couple of those come in. It's very nice whenever we see that, and it helps us out as far as getting people to learn about the show. Um, if you are not interested in iTunes, that's fine. But um, you know, we have told all our friends about the show, and we are out of friends. <laughs> so the only the only source to to mine for new friends is friends of friends, and that means uh, if you like the show and you know somebody who you think would like it, please let them know. Yeah, it is literally all that we have. 
<laughs> yep. I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do not have our advertising budget is like fourteen dollars a month, <laughs> and we yeah, and that's and and that is it. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and it, that could be uh, in person, or you could you could blog about the show, like a couple of people have done, which is really cool. Um, you can mention it on a podcast. You can do anything like that if you're interested. Um, also, uh, there are you know concrete benefits to doing those those kind of things. Um, we have an RSS feed that we've created for our extra episodes, which are kind of the deleted scenes for each episode. Um, if you help us out or if you join the Facebook page or anything like that, you will have access to that. Um, that's really fun. The one for the or the two of them for the Final Fantasy episodes, I think, are really strong. And a lot of great content could not make it into those episodes, but is available there. Same thing with this one too, because they're this is a long one. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all going to be long ones. I mean, yeah. we're we're aiming for about a hundred minutes, yeah. and whatever we're over that will end up on uh, on this. Yeah, um, we have buttons available if mm-hmm. you'd like to support a watch out for fireballs button. Just get a hold of us. I'd be happy to send you out one of those for free yeah uh we I, i've got a batch that's getting ready to go out too so if you want to get in touch with us over the next over the next week um after this one comes out uh i'll be sending some out for my end too yep and the uh and finally there, we're still kind of running or i'm still kind of running that contest thing i still I'm getting ready to move i move on the 18th um just to put a, a date on it in case you want to assassinate me i guess <laughs> um in, in my moving truck or set up a barricade or something um but i have a big box of like old video game manuals, posters and stuff. I have little figurines I don't want anymore. I have a, a cool drawing of a realistic Sonic the Hedgehog I bought at a convention. It's a little Sonic the Hedgehog or like a hedgehog wearing Sonic shoes holding onto a <laughs> ring. It's really adorable. I have all kinds of retro video game stuff that uh, I'm moving into a tiny apartment, so I'm not going to have room for. I would love to give it to somebody. So just uh, do something cool for the show, like write a song or a jingle or make a, an image or a drawing or something like that. Um, help out the show in, in, in some way and let us know. And uh, you could win that. I would love to mail that to you free of charge. If you're thinking of doing fan art, we are both bearded white dudes. Yes, and we do not have sex with each other. <laughs> so don't make it that kind of fan yeah. art. Yeah, please, 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 please. In the world of fan art, there's, there's a lot of, lot of kind of murky areas. Th- that flavor, please, please that flavor is off the table. Yeah, yes, please. As much as, as, as I, if I saw that, I would laugh for about a day straight. And then slowly, the, the, it, would, it, would, it would destroy me from the inside out. Like I, but so the the immediate joy I would get out of that would not. Uh, it, it wouldn't be would worth not, it. Yeah, not worth it. <laughs> oh worth it. man! And then I wouldn't send you the box because then you'd know my address. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you you will disqualify yourself if you draw something like that immediately. <laughs> so watch out for um, questionable fan art. Watch out for incredibly long episodes of this show, and yeah, most absolutely. importantly, Gary. Most importantly. Uh, watch out for fireballs.
Fingers crossed as possible to be a cherry. This this game is a cherry poppin' daddy as far as it goes to 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 cite the grossest band name uh, that ever was. Good um, lord. 